Hello and welcome back to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. I'm your host, Beatrice Vargas, and this week we have an excerpt from an interview I did with my friend Cynthia Castro of the Rooted Working Moms Podcast. I've been loving her podcast. It's relatively new, but it's really been um, energizing, like refreshing, a lot of really good stuff she has on there. And this was an awesome interview that we had where we talked about how to not let your marriage take the back seat to your kids. So I hope it was helpful to you. I hope you find value in it. For the full interview, you can go ahead and listen in on her show, and that's at the Rooted Working Moms podcast. I'll go ahead and add a link in the show notes there for you. So let's dig into this week's topic. Welcome to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reunite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the grace Field wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the grace Field wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. I asked you to come on today and have a conversation with us about how not to let our marriage take the backseat to our kids and at the end here, she's going to give us three tactical steps on how to have a rooted marriage. Beatrice, so excited to have you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. I have been listening to your show and I'm excited for the content that you are bringing us working moms out there. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. It's such important work because we were chatting earlier. This is an intimate topic. Like you said, we don't have moms run into the table to say, yeah, my marriage is a hot mess. Can you please help me with it? Right. It's something that we often try to ignore, maybe cover up, maybe are embarrassed about. And it's not something that we're just so excited to talk to the world about. And so, but it's such an important part to allowing us to have faith-filled homes, finding rest while you're mothering and also raising your kids to really have a relationship with Jesus as well. And so, you know, one thing I want to take us back to that you said that I feel like the Holy Spirit is nudging me on is that number one, you surrendered it all to Jesus, but then maybe the hardest, I don't know for you, but maybe the most powerful, impactful thing is that you forgave him. Could you maybe talk a little bit about what that forgiveness felt like, what it looked like, and and the impact of your surrendering and your forgiveness of your husband? I think for me, it was understanding that I wasn't gaining anything by holding on to unforgiveness. It was, if anything, it was hurting me. It was just a weight on my soul, really of this anger, you know, and I was holding on to so much 
anger and resentment at the time and it was heavy and I couldn't find joy in my marriage because I was angry at A, the fact that he left, but B, everything else. Like our marriage was in the toilet before he left. So, you know, and it was not any better after we got back together and it was just, I couldn't see him as my best friend anymore. I could, I almost forgot, I forgot for a moment why I married him. And, and why I fell in love with him because I was angry and hurt and resentful. And I didn't even know it was that I had to forgive him because I felt like, oh, I forgive him, right? Like, I think mentally I forgave him, but it was just, there was still a block there in my heart. And that's what I gave up to God that there's like, there's still this thing here that I can't, I don't know what it is and I can't get rid of it. And I knew it was beyond my own strength to do so. And so I was just like, all right, I got you take it. I mean, I was, I'm so candid with him. And sometimes I like worry. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would never tell anybody to speak to God the way I'm like, you, you wanted to bring him back in my life. You said we were supposed to be back together. Like, well, you take it then. Cause I, my marriage is terrible. I, I don't know why. Why am I here? And I have these conversations, and then I, and then I read the Bible, and I, and I like read about when the Israelites would complain to God, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. Let me, let me be better, or, or be more respectful. But like, that's how I was feeling, and I think essentially it was just my very true and and raw feelings of take it. I don't. I don't know what to do with this hurt and this anger and this resentment. And I know it's not from you. So please take it. And that was before I even knew that um, you should have him take it and replace it with something else. Because now when I feel that, I know better. And I actually ask God, take these feelings away from me and please replace them with the fruits of your spirit. Replace these feelings with something that is from you because I know that these emotions and these thoughts I'm having right now are not from you because emotions are from God negative you know God gets angry God gets jealous says it in his word he feels all those things we are made in his image and it's just what we do with it you know and so if we ask him to take it and, and replace it with the fruits of his spirit he's happy to do so because if not right his word says the seven other spirits will come in and so you you want him to replace it with something good but i think that was a, a big thing is just saying please just take it because i had gone grown close to him all of a sudden and, and i knew what his peace felt like all of a sudden i felt like this doesn't belong here. You know, it was like normal before it was like I was living with this anger and this resentment. And all of a sudden, I knew what what it was like to have God's peace in the midst of my trauma. And I here I am back within with the thing I wanted was which was to be back with my husband still feeling un, unrest. And it was like, no, I just, I wanted God's peace back. And I knew that that those were the feelings that didn't belong. So it's like, God, take them away. That is so, so good. I love that you brought up the idea that you've learned to ask God to replace the hurt and the pain and the suffering with his goodness. I feel like that is such an important piece to the forgiveness and the healing process and to really have meaningful relationships with people and with your family and with your kids and really being in a place of peace and operating out of a place of love. Thanks for sharing your story with us. It's a very vulnerable place to be. I'm so thankful for your ministry and what you're doing to help moms have a thriving 
marriage and family, now that you've been through it and you're kind of on the other side, if you will, what are ways that women can not allow our marriage to take the backseat to our kids? And how do we balance doing all the things of being a mom, working and being a wife and a daughter and, you know, having a relationship with Jesus while having a rooted marriage? Such a a good question. But before I ask that question, I'm going to ask you, what does the word rooted mean to you? Yeah, great question. When I talk about the rooted working mom, we're really talking about having a solid foundation in Jesus, which allows us to have a fruitful life in all areas in our relationship with Jesus, in our relationship with our husband in our relationship with our kids. So that way, all of those very important, meaningful relationships can withstand all the craziness of life, the busyness, the distractions, the spiritual warfare that that we often are attacked with, all the things that the enemy does to us, that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, that we are so rooted and grounded in Jesus that it's not going to take us out. And so that is to me what being rooted and being a rooted working mom is all about. I love that because it reminds me of the scripture where Jesus talks about throwing the seed and some of the seed felt on, fell on hard soil and some of the seed fell among the thorns and some of the seed fell on soft, fertile ground. And often I find myself praying that my heart be soft, fertile ground so that God's word can really take root. So I think that's beautiful. And I wanted to make sure that your listeners heard that that this is what this podcast is trying to do for them. And I would say in terms of keeping a a rooted marriage, one thing, the most important thing that I say is as important as our jobs are as moms, right? We are raising kingdom builders, hopefully, right? Like hopefully we're going to teach them about God and they won't stray from it. And they might, I have a teenager, right? Like I can't, as much as I I want my teenager to love Jesus, I, I can't force her to love Jesus, right? Like that is something she has experienced on her own, you know, and I watch how they are when they're little and as they start to grow and that, that's, it's a journey, right? To watch. But one thing that I've always said and I've come from a product of divorce, which was one of the reasons why I was so devastated when I thought I might be in the midst of a divorce was that the way my parents do it now, the way my, my mom and stepfather do it is they're like, our, their marriage is more important than the children. And that was like, what? You know, as a child hearing that I was upset and it didn't make sense to me, but I think about it now. And quite frankly, it is. Like these kids are important. The, the babies that you're raising, it's so important and you want to love them and 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 give them the absolute best that you can. And, and you're not going to be perfect at it and we're all going to make mistakes at it and we're going to do our best and hopefully you're going to do better than the generations before you. But God's word says those kids, they're going to grow up and they're going to leave your house and you're going to be left with your husband. And so if you think about, do I want to grow old with him? When my kids are out of the house, am I going to be able to enjoy him in the same way? I mean, we all get married under different circumstances. Some people get married really young. Some people don't really ever get the chance to enjoy their husband before they have children. Some people get married because they got pregnant. Like there's all kinds of reasons why we get married. But like, 
in the end, you've got a whole lifetime. I mean, you have those kids for 18, 20, you know, maybe a little over 20 years, but that's not very long in comparison to the rest of your life. And I think about that, like, man, I want to grow old with my husband. Like I want to enjoy him when they leave. And if I don't hold on to that, then we're not going to be friends. I, I hear other women, you know, talk about, I've, I've heard actually several women talk about like, oh yeah, they're just with him for the kids. Like, and when the kids leave, they're done. And I'm like, what? But you can start all over when your kids leave and like and be alone and, and not have this person that you've built a life with, like besides the fact that divorce is expensive, like you've invested so much time with them. And so I, I really bring it back to when I, think about my relationship, I think about it from that perspective. And it really helps me to, to make it a priority because so often we forget to make our marriages a priority and being close to him and having, you know, whether it's date night or just being friends, you know, enjoying each other's company, we make that a priority. And I think that has what has helped our marriage tremendously because we're better parents for it. You know, we're, we're better when we're in a good mood. We're better when we love each other. We're better when we enjoy each other's company. But when he's cranky and I'm cranky and everybody's walking around with a face, it's no fun for anybody at home, not us or the kids. So that, that would be, I think, the first thing. And I always say that, number one, as a married couple, our job is to get each other to heaven. Like that's the number one goal, right? Like Jesus brought my husband, Anthony to me. So that way I can help him get to heaven and he can help me get to heaven. That's the ultimate goal here is we want to spend eternity with Jesus. And, and so kind of keeping that perspective of, okay, is what I'm doing, the actions, the words that I'm saying, the way I'm treating him, the time I'm giving him, is it helping us in that respect? And then also there are days that love is, is not a feeling, but it's a choice that you make to do to somebody. Like you give out that love to somebody and it's a intentional choice, regardless of what's happening. Obviously, if you're in a situation of abuse, that's a whole nother topic. And, and we're, and that's not what we're talking about today, right? If you're in a healthy relationship, going through kind of day-to-day things that choosing to love each other on a day-to-day basis, even maybe hour to hour basis is what's going to, to keep your marriage thriving because you're not always going to feel like it. Yeah. I mean, I would say even, even if you're in an unhealthy relationship, as long as it's not a place where you have to get yourself safe, So I agree. I say that all the time to my listeners and my clients, but a lot of us, a lot of my listeners are in unhealthy relationships and when it's healthy and it's and the uh, little disagreements are few and far between, it's much easier. But when you're in the type of relationship where every day feels like a disagreement, every day feels like a bad day, it becomes even tougher. And I like what you said about it being choice, right? Like love is a verb, and it's something that we have to we have to sh- actively try to do. God loves us actively. We should love our spouse actively. And when you talk about helping my spouse get to heaven, I think having had a spouse who's an unbeliever or was an unbeliever, that can be a really difficult thing to wrestle with. And so what I say or what I like to help people to understand is, I can bring heaven to him. I can bring Jesus to him. 
with my actions, with my words. And he can choose to believe it or not. It's God's job, right? Like God will reveal himself to him. God will soften or harden his heart. I can't ever because I used to try. And it was one of the things that led to our separation. I used to try. I used to try to be his Holy Spirit. I used to try to force him to go to church. I used to try to let him know, you know, I would be, you know, let him know he should do this and he should do that and he should not do this and he should not do that. And that's one of the things that causes problems in marriages because as wives, we feel like, well, we're just trying to help. We're just trying to make him better. It's not our job to make him better in those ways. And what I found, which was really transformational, was by living out the gospel with my actions more so than my words was more effective. I want to say a hundred times more effective than me ever saying anything, giving him a Bible. You know how many Bibles I gave him? How many Bible studies I offered him? How many, so many, you know, how many like small groups I try to get him to join it. None of it ever worked, but bringing Jesus to him, and showing him that even in the midst of the hardships that we were going through, I could still love him. I could still be kind to him. I could still show him grace and I could still show him respect, even though I didn't think he deserved any of it because that's what Jesus would have done. That was like, wow. And he said, it wasn't just me, but my family. Like, wow, I didn't, why are you doing this? Why are you behaving this way? That's really what just bringing heaven down to him was about. Yeah, so good. And you could also apply that to your kids. Yes. You, you have a teenager. I have a teenager. You have a girl, I have a boy, but you know how crazy teenage years mm-hmm. are. It's the same concept of your job is to bring Jesus to them. And then God's job is to encounter them on his perfect timing. Yeah, I love that. And speaking of kids, how can a working mom in her day-to-day the busyness, the chaos of motherhood, working and being a mom, how do we keep our marriages thriving? What are ways that we can connect with our husband throughout Mm -hmm. the day, keep our marriages thriving when we don't have hours and hours to hang out with, to go to the movies every week, to do all the things we wish we did? Well, to start with number one, I would say is remembering, you know, like I had talked about before, remembering that your husband's going to be there when the kids are out of the house. That's one. Two, one of the things I say always is that how you treat each other is an example for your son and your daughter. I have one son and one daughter. So how he treats me and how I treat him is an example to my children of A, how how my daughter should expect to be treated as a woman and B, how my son should expect to be treated. So when I think about my husband does something that might piss me off. And I think about what I might want to say that maybe is not so nice. If you think about like, how would you feel if someone spoke to your son that way? Like all of a sudden it changes your perspective because I am letting him know it is okay when you get married for your wife to speak to you this way. If I do that, if I show him that, if I disrespect his father in front of him, if I'm, you know, rude and condescending, like that, that is being an example for your children. And so, to, but at the same time, while you're trying to be a good example for your children, you're also loving your spouse well. So by doing that, by always keeping in the back of my mind, like, would I want somebody to talk to my child that way? You know, would I want, you know, and I tell him, like, would you want 
your daughter to have her husband talk to her that way or treat her that way like if we do that then we're honoring not only honoring our husbands and our spouses then we're at the same time being a good example to our children so i think that would be um, number two is like huge because it's easy everybody will say go out on date nights and do all that but sometimes and it's, and i'm that was that for me that's number three but even before you get to date night you have to like each other enough to want to go out together because there's been times where my husband and I have gone on like getaways together and fought and been angry and, and unhappy together. And that's no fun. So you're not doing yourselves any favors by just planning a, a date night and spending money every week or once a month or however often that you can make it happen if you don't like each other. So I think that's the first part is speaking to each other and treating each other the way that A, you would want to be treated because that's what God's word says. But B, also like act as if you like him. And even if you don't like him right now, pretend like just act as if and it will start to come around. So that was two. And then three, I would say, yes, date each other, but not in more so than the like date nights. I think it's just prioritizing the time together because especially in covid or or post covid or whatever finances i mean i remember we we would look at each other and be like oh my gosh it costs like 200 dollars to go to the movies these days because by the time you spent you know you pay for a babysitter you pay for the movie you go out to dinner like it's so expensive like who could do that i can't do that every week you know and it just, it can become very expensive. So we would figure out other ways that we can enjoy each other's time. And sure, we'll have day nights outside the house, but there's other times where I'll tell the kids like, it's mommy, daddy time. Like, no, no, no. it's mommy, daddy time. Saturday night, mommy, daddy time. It's late, it's 9.30, go to bed. Or, you know, my daughter who's 13, like she's not in bed at 9.30. Like, I love you, but bye. Like I'm closing my door. It's our time because that way we get to spend time together doing things that we enjoy. So whether it's watching a movie or we've like put our favorite DJ on, make some cocktails and have a dance party in our bedroom, which is free. Or our favorite thing is every so often we go away together, which is not free. So we don't do that <laughs> not often, but like you come back refreshed from those trips. So whatever it is you can do to prioritize that time for each other. And I think when our marriage was in a bad place, that was one of the things that we never did. Like all these things I'm saying, do, we were doing the opposite. We spent every, all of our time and energy focused around my daughter or work or whatever. We didn't spend time with each other. We didn't talk to each other in a way that was edifying or in a way that was a, a good example for my daughter. And we certainly didn't make time to date each other. And if we did, it was miserable because we didn't like each other enough to be out on that date. So it was like, why spend this money to go out on a date just to tell people we went on date night if we're going to sit here and fight all day? And that's what our marriage looked like before. But now it's like, I look forward to it. You know, even if, even if we're fighting and we, you know, and again, we still fight, but those fights used to last weeks. We would go weeks without speaking, barely speaking to each other. And now if it lasts 24 hours, that's a long time. Such a big shift. You're planting seeds along the way in your day by honoring him, by speaking life into him. Oftentimes 
we will communicate in such a way or speak to others that's more sensitive, that maybe is nicer, that's more polished than we do to the people we love the most. Something's wrong there, right? We, we should never be treating other people better than we treat the people in our four walls of our home. Like mm -hmm. it should start there. And then from there, we're consistent in our daily lives at work with the people that we might be leading or supervising or working with. Um, so I think that has been one little shift for me. It's like, don't treat other people better than, than you do the people that you truly love. I think we do that because we're comfortable. Like we feel like, oh, he's not going anywhere. And so they get the brunt of your, they get the angry, you, the not so polished and not so pretty you, you know? So totally, totally agree with that. And Beatrice, before we wrap up, I'm going to just talk about cell phones and social media. And I know that I'll be honest, that is a distraction in our marriage. It could really be detrimental to a marriage. And so I don't know if you have any kind of words of wisdom around that when it comes to how do we not let this little hand of ice destroy our marriage? We have a couple of rules around it. So device-free dinners at all time for everyone. So phones away, you know, unless we've, for whatever reason, have okayed pulling out the phone. You know, maybe the in the restaurant, the waiter's taking too long to bring the food, so we'll let the kids play on a device or something like that. But, it's, but essentially, like, it's device-free dinner. The other thing is, when I'm, like, sitting in bed, right, it's so easy to, like, grab the phone from the nightstand and start scrolling but he's sitting right here. Like my, you know, my husband's sitting right next to me. So what am I doing with this phone in my hand? So what I try to do is not, and again, I'm not perfect at it, but what I try to do is um, use it when I'm not with him, when it's not our time. Like I, I separate time in my day for that, whether it be, you know, during my morning work block or, you know, whenever, um, if I'm waiting on a line at Starbucks or something like that, but really try to honor the fact that he's here because it's not just social media. It's, oh, wait, I just got a text from a client. You know, I just got an email. Uh, I, I certainly won't, you know, be scrolling on Instagram if like we're in the middle of a conversation, but I'm very guilty oftentimes of seeing something come through or looking at my, you know, Apple watch and be like, Oh snap. Like I've been waiting for this text from this client for such and such. And I, you know, I'm working on this deal or whatever. And that, that like it destroys intimacy in a marriage. It destroys intimacy in the family. And so it's just about taking the time. And last night I got a call from some clients we, I was saying before uh, we started recording, I'm a real estate agent in New York City. And so I wouldn't necessarily get a coaching call, right? Or a call from a coaching client at 7.30 on a Sunday night. But in real estate, that happens often. And so I get a call from a client. We're working on a deal. And I was like, hey, guys, I'd love to chat. I'm about to have dinner. Send me the information you need and I will call you back later. But otherwise, I need to spend this time with my family. And they were totally fine with it. They were like, oh, my goodness, of course. You know, it just so happened that they were in a different time zone and whatever. Otherwise, they would never have called me that time. And I, when I put the phone down, my husband was like, thank you for that, babe. Thank you. 
and we went and we had our dinner and then I had the, you know, my husband and I had to go over some things we had to talk about. And then at nine o'clock, again, who wants to do this? I don't want to be working at nine o'clock at night, but it was that important. At nine o'clock, I sat down and I called my clients back and I was like, hey, sorry, had to handle that. What's up? And they were like, oh, thank you for being flexible. Okay. We had maybe five, 10 minute conversation and that was done. But had I not prioritized my family and my husband at that moment and said, oh, it's only going to be a five or 10 minute conversation, he would have been annoyed. We would have had like an, an, an angry dinner. There's no need for it. They could wait. And so I think it's just prioritizing when, you know, understanding that, yes, these phones are a part of our life. Social media is a part of our life. But if we can relegate it to its proper time, then we can use it for good. You know, like what the enemy might be trying to use to destroy, God can use for good. So let's, you know, use it for good and be done with it. And really, I hear you say you're setting boundaries around it. Yes. So that way we don't get distracted from the enemy. The enemy is so good at distracting us from our purpose and our calling and loving other people. So whatever he can do to distract us from that, he uses that. And so by setting priorities and boundaries around what is this going to look like? What, when am I going to be on this phone? How is it going to look when my husband and I are together? And already just planning ahead so that way you know what your actions will be when that situation occurs and it's not you're caught you're not just caught in in the moment and you're like oh I didn't think this too and then you end up in resentment with your husband because he thinks or or vice versa you think that he's paying attention to his phone over you or you're doing that to him and it's not fruitful it really does destroy and I want to bring this up like you said it destroys the intimacy of your marriage and intimacy is part of the root system of your marriage, yeah. right? right? So like Jesus wants us to have an intimate, deep relationship with him. And an example of that is the deep, intimate relationship that we have with our spouses. And right. so if the enemy can disrupt that and, and kind of pull those roots out, he does that. And then that mm-hmm. ultimately destroys your marriage. Wow. I was thinking, as you said that, I thought, just think about what would happen if you're sitting there in your devotional time and you let like a notification from Instagram or Facebook or whatever disrupt your devotional time. And you've just broken that time that you set to set aside with God. And all of a sudden now you find yourself scrolling and then you feel like, oh, well, you know, nobody's here. I'm not hurting anybody in my family, but you literally just disrupted your devotional time. It's like doing the same thing, you know, that like we do that to our own spouses. If we don't say no, like in this time, you know, during this time, this is my focus right now, you know? And, and like you said, just putting, putting boundaries around that and knowing that boundaries can change and shift over time. But if we don't put any boundaries, then it's just a free for all. Wow. This has been so good for me personally. Like I have been so blessed with this. I am just pulling so many good nuggets. I'm actually taking notes as we're talking because (laughs) my marriage is not perfect by any means either. I do need to set better boundaries when it comes to my phone and, and other areas. And so I hope for our friends listening that they have also been blessed with us and that 
Jesus is speaking directly to their hearts, just kind of piercing through all the distraction and the pain and the frustration and all the things that the enemy tries to really help us focus on when we should be focusing on Jesus and and what is Jesus calling us to do as working moms. Thank you for that. I appreciate your time, Beatrice. So there you have it. I hoped you enjoyed this week's episode. Cynthia was really such a great interviewer and it was a great conversation. I took a lot of notes myself in listening back to it, uh, just in the things that we spoke about. I thought there's so many good nuggets in there. So if this episode has brought you any value at all, I ask that you go ahead and give the show a review, whether it be my show or Cynthia's show, really places like this for us women, the best way for them to get out is by word of mouth and that means your word of mouth so that is by your reviews by you sharing it anything you can do in that area would be greatly appreciated i love you guys and until next week hey love thank you for listening to today's show if you found any value in today's episode it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.